Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. The Neighborhood Watch Big 12 previews roll on. The Kansas Jayhawks are up today. Derek Johnson is here, host radio in Lawrence, Kansas. Also the host of the Locked On Jayhawks podcast. Derek, we're here to discuss legitimate, well-founded excitement for the Varsity Tackle Football Club over at the University of Kansas, or what was it? Yeah, University of Kansas, right? Uh, go IKU. Um, it's maybe some expectations too, right? I mean, it's it's kind of a different story this year than it has been, and you can probably tell me since when. But uh, I think the the fact that we don't know since when kind of tells you about really how a great job Lance Leipold has done. Yeah, it's uh, I think twenty ten or twenty eleven. I I have the. The year may be mixed up uh, about when exactly it was, but the, that was the last time that Kansas wasn't picked last in the Big 12, which is the case this year, picked ninth of the 14 teams. So it's it's been a long ride uh, to have even these expectations, which is funny because it's something we kind of talk about here uh, on the radio. And Lawrence, like, you know, from a national perspective, you zoom out and most teams are like, oh, what's the big whoop? You had one six and seven season, right? But, you know, from the local right. perspective, it does feel like the tide is changing. Yeah, that season, it was very interesting. We, we talked about it, you and I, and, and love catching up with you, by the way, at Media Days. Actually, I found you when, when Brett Yormark was speaking. <laughs> I remember because we, uh, I think I was talking to you, we, he had the funny moment where he's like, I love that spot. I want to share that spot again. And I was like, all right, sales and Brett, I can step away for a few minutes. You know, I don't, I don't have to watch the, the Big 12 spot for a second time. But um, yeah, this this group is an interesting test case in something. You know, I've been talking a lot this offseason about winning as this kind of non-linear path. I think you and I talked about it a little bit too. And I think Kansas is going to be a very, very good example of this. Now, we'll get in the schedule and whatnot. I don't think it's like the hardest schedule I've ever seen. But um, this is a school, you know, they win six games. And I was talking, I'm sure you know Jesse Newell very well over the KC Star. Talking, I talked to him a couple years ago. And he he made the comment to I me. Mean, he was being facetious, but he said, 
you know, I think they could go one win, three wins, five wins under Lance Leipold. If they get to five, you can build a statue. Well, they did six, right? And they, and uh, amazing, amazing. I mean, probably the most fun bowl game last year was played between Arkansas and, and Kansas. And, um, you know, I, I think that like those expectations, it's, it's so curious is like, okay, what do you value as winning? Cause you and I actually talked about this. I made the point to you. If KU were to win five games this year in a vacuum, like I think people would feel, or, you know, in a vacuum, they'd like it. Right. I told Kansas fans, you know, the next two years of Lance Leipold, you get a six and a five before last season. You'd be like, yeah, well, uh, yeah, you know, or five or six, whatever it is. Definitely. We'll take that. But if they don't make a bowl game this year, I think there's going to, I think there's going to be a little bit of disappointment to, uh, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and it's funny. You talk about the, the nonlinear progress. Like if I go back to the Mark Mangino days, that's exactly actually like how it was um, year one, two and 10. That was same for year one as Lance Leipold year two of Mark Mangino, six and seven. That was the same as Lance Leipold year three of Mark Mangino. They went four and seven. And then the next year they were back in a bowl and they won the bowl game. They went seven and five. So it's not impossible that could be the case. And you, you look at the roster this year, as much as you think, you know, they could build off last year. And, and that's kind of the way I'm leaning. At the end of the day, a lot of these guys still can come back for multiple years. Like Jalen Daniels, it could be his last year in college, or he could come back for 2024 too. Same with Devin Neal and the entire starting receiver core and a lot of players throughout the roster that maybe 2024 actually is the target date for when, this all comes together. Obviously, by that point, too, Texas and Oklahoma would be gone from the conference, which would also mean they're gone from your schedule because KU does play both this year. So, yeah, it, it absolutely could be something. It's, to me, more about the schedule in that really everyone you look at, I mean, pretty much 10 of the games you play this year are schools that you could convince yourself could make a bowl game, right? You don't get the luxury of playing right. West Virginia and Houston this year in the Big 12. Uh, you play Illinois in the non-con schedule. I mean, shoot, maybe you could even convince yourself Nevada, even though they were really bad last year, could be a 6-6 six and six team in the Mountain West because just the program history there that maybe 11 teams that you're playing could possibly make bowl games. So, yeah, I mean, th that's the big question. It's, it's the schedule, and, and maybe that'll ease up in 2024. But I'll tell you this, though. This is where it gets interesting. Do, is Kansas going to have the best player on the field in every single game they play this year? Like there's a, there's a legitimate argument that that the Kansas Jayhawks are going to have the best player on the field in Jalen Daniels in every single game that they play. I, I think that is, I think that is not a not a crazy statement to make. No, I I don't think it is either. Um, because you're talking like it's funny. So I think it was 2016 or 2017. I don't know, maybe even 2015. Dorrance Armstrong won Big 12 preseason defense to player and it was coming off a, a great sophomore year but then as a, a junior he ended up only having like three four sacks uh wasn't mm -hmm. as impactful as he was the year before I think part of that was just defenses were double teaming him triple teaming him because it was like ah we don't know who else is going to beat you besides Daniel Wise on the defense that year um and maybe that was part of it maybe part of it was I don't know protecting yourself to, to secure your NFL draft slot whatever it is that didn't come to fruition for KU. So I have talked to a couple people that are like, you know, I almost would have rather Jalen didn't win the award and now he gets to play with the chip on his shoulder. And, you know, we saw this before with Dorrance Armstrong and it didn't work out. This is different though, because with Dorrance, it, it's a little bit different as a defensive end. When you're a quarterback, like the impact that you have on winning is, is so remarkable. And I remember having these conversations headed into last year that you would talk to people and be like, 
you know, what we saw from Jalen Daniels at the end of 2021, when they beat Texas on the road, when they almost beat TCU in West Virginia to close out the season, if he plays like that, he could be one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the Big 12 next year. Uh, but I'm only predicting him to go two and 10. And it's like, well, if you think Jalen Daniels is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, I'm not saying they're going to win eight or nine games, but they're going to win four or five, maybe six. Right. You don't just have one of the best quarterbacks in a sport that that is the most important position and you're just horrible, right? So, yeah, if, if Jalen Daniels ends up being the offensive player of the year, like he's predicted in the preseason or being the best player on the field when he's out there, it's hard for this team not to win at least five or six games. Yeah, so the offense is extremely fun. Um, you know, I've been using Athlon for a lot of these previews and whatnot, and they based talk about how, yeah, their offense is not talented, but it is uh, it is creative. And I would say I think that's changed, uh, especially like they have the best – they have the best quarterback running back combination, at least preseason in, in the conference. I, I feel pretty confident in saying tough to beat Devin Neal plus Jalen Daniels. Um, I know Neal's numbers aren't always great, but like a part of that is functional, uh, you know, the offensive line and whatnot has, has not always been, you know, always excellent. But Andy Kotelnicki is a fantastic coordinator. And look, this offense does put a lot of responsibility to the quarterback. I think it's totally fair to say, but it's, it's, it's kind of by design. And honestly, it's worked out a whole lot, whether it's been Bean or Daniels. A lot of responsibility, uh, you know, carrying the football, throwing the football, and also not just like doing those things, but like creating the angles to throw. I mean, there are a lot of times I, mean, I go back to the TCU game where, you know, rolling out and, you know, just having to create that lane to zip a ball in there because you and I talked about this, like the receivers are not particularly good at getting separation all the time, but given time they are. And, 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 you know, you put them in some, some jump ball situations. Some of those guys were very good last year, right? So, these aren't always guys who are breaking away from people and, you know, creating a, a ton of space, but given time, they can make stuff happen. Uh, this offense is creative though. It is a lot of fun. And I think we're expecting a lot of the same, maybe not because they were, I, mean, I, I forgot what they finished up ranking, but like their offense was really freaking good last year. Uh, you would know finally kind of the final numbers better than I would, but the problem was not the scoring towards the back part of the season. I know they had the Texas game, whatnot, and I, the offense wasn't like amazing, amazing in the Kansas State game. But the problem was not the offense. Uh, I felt like some slow starts, maybe, but that was not the issue, in my opinion. No, it was not. So yeah, the offense. Uh, you ended up being a top twenty-five offense by points per game. If you just look at the Big Twelve numbers, you know some of that stuff can be a little misleading, as we know, because certain teams will play. 80 90 snaps in a game others are playing 60 65 kansas is one of the more slower tempo teams so you look at like they're going to be lower they're going to rank lower there but when you look at yards per play so forget how fast of a tempo you are just how efficient you are each specific play kansas was number one in the big 12 in passing yards per play and rushing yards per play they were obviously number one in total yards per play play so they were offense in the big 12 last year they were second in the big 12 in points per game only behind tcu yeah that offense was electric all the way through uh you kind of hit the nail in that great battery with with Jalen daniels devin neal um the receivers are, are you know they're, they're looking to get more this year from yards after catch guys making plays after the ball's in their hand but yeah they they made a ton of jump ball catches and, and all sorts of great plays on you know 50 50 balls a season ago so we'll see if that can continue but yeah the defense that's the big question here, which is funny because Brian Borland, 
uh, the defensive coordinator when he was at Buffalo and, and Lance Leipold was at Buffalo, like the defense was was really good for the Bulls in, in what they were able to do. And I think Andy Kotelnicki probably had more of a full shelf uh, from what you had player wise arriving at Kansas. Like, you know, he was gifted with having Jalen Daniels and having Devin Neal and having some of these players already right. on the roster that were previously recruited. I think it was more of a, a startup. So I still am confident that he'll get it figured out that they will be in a positive direction. They still did improve by about a touchdown last year, but from 2021, they just had so far to go that it wasn't untenable. That is the big question, though. You look at the end of that Arkansas game, they could not stop Arkansas. It was just like they were going through butter with a hot knife. Um, and so that was kind of the case for a lot of games down the stretch. The first half of the season, defense was was solid enough. They were stopping the run. Uh, they had the Iowa State game where basically the defense did win them the game. And then the first half of the TCU game, you hold TCU to 10 points. And it's like, man, the defense is actually pretty good. And then the second half of the TCU game happens. They score on like every possession. They score 28 in the second half. You have some other games, whether it's Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Texas, Kansas State, where you can't really stop the opposition. That's the big question to me about um, if this team is going to get to a point where they're winning more games than they were a season ago. It's got to be because the defense doesn't have to be a great defense, but can you be like middle right. of the pack? Can you be the Big 12 as opposed to being one of the worst? Yeah, you make a great point with the finishing games because th this is kind of the story for Kansas. And you and I talked about this, but this is a story for Kansas, right? The first year Lance Leipold was there, they were playing good segments of games, halves, quarters, three quarters, whatever. And towards the back end of the year, I think it was West Virginia game, I think TCU, the games ended up being close games, the competitive towards the very end, right? It's like, okay, let's build off that. The next year, they got off to a hot, hot start and they were finishing games, right? But the season in general did not finish well. And like you mentioned later on, you know, when guys, you know, and here's the thing is once you start playing in November, everybody's a little bit banged up. And so that's kind of when you need, you know, guys rotationally need to step up, guys go out, you need that. And that's just more difficult for KU. They're trying to build that depth. And so whether it's within a season, whether it is within a game, I think that's where we're all focused now is can you finish? And so much of that is depth. So much of that is things like, you know, conditioning. It's like it just you got to be more than kind of the first line of, of defense, if you will, for lack of a better term. Let's go to that defense. They lose Lonnie Phelps up front, but they are returning a lot in the back end. Now, the back end had some issues last year. They've got playmakers. Do you think some of the issues within the back end was maybe just because they were not generating a ton of, I mean, they were getting pushed around late in the year. Like it was, I mean, they were, they were, their defensive line felt like was not extremely competitive in a lot of these games. And I think that kind of hurt the back end of their defense mm -hmm. because they do have playmakers that, I mean, Kenny Logan and Jacoby Bryant are like, there's no doubt about it. those guys are, are playmakers through and through. So is that kind of your read on it? Just up front is where they have to get a bit better. That that's, that's more kind of what caused a lot of their issues. Yeah, I mean, when, when Lonnie Phelps wasn't having disruption, it was tough for other guys to get there. And there were a lot of times, because Lonnie Phelps started the year really well and, and you know, had a really good yeah. season, that he was just getting double teamed. And, you know, he, he would get a, a running back or a tight end chipping him, and then he'd get double teamed with the tackle and the guard, and it was just untenable. And um, that's the big question, because Kyron Johnson – was really good for them. Six and a half sacks in 2021. He goes off six round pick for the Eagles. Then Lonnie Phelps last year has those seven sacks. He goes off to the NFL undrafted free agent with, uh, I think, the Cincinnati Bengals. And now you don't have 
really anyone. I mean, maybe Jeremy Robinson will break out into that. He had a really good back half of the season, ended up with about three and a half sacks, was second on the team in tackles for loss. Like the hope is that he can turn into one of those guys to help you there. But I think it is going to be more of a, uh, a product of a little bit of everyone. Now with the back end, it is interesting because some of the numbers, the, the, the straight, I think they were like eighth in, in yards allowed per pass, but you look at it and personnel wise, you have Kobe Bryant, who was a first-team mm-hmm. All-Big 12 player last year and preseason yes. All-Big 12 first-team this year. You have Kenny Logan at safety, who was All-Big 12 first-team in 2021. Uh, Melo Dotson is someone that, you know, I heard there were some NFL scouts during some of the, the summer workout. He's a guy who started playing when he was a freshman, started all the games for you last year as a sophomore. Uh, the NFL scouts were watching both him and Kobe Bryant and impressed with, with what they saw over the summer. So you, you got an experienced guy there. Uh, Marvin Grant was a player who played for you as a kind of rotational box safety last year. He transferred in from that Purdue team that won nine games from when he was there and transferred in. He was a full-time starter at Purdue. So, you know, you, you at least have like a solid player there. And then you had OJ Burroughs, who was uh, one of your bigger recruits a couple years ago, played a bit as a freshman, uh, made some nice plays last year as a sophomore. You look at the personnel, you also have Kalen Gervin, who was a, uh, you know, upperclassman transfer from Michigan State. The personnel looks pretty good in the back end to where, yes, there are certain holes. Like, I do think Kobe Bryant is more of in line of like the you think of like Trayvon Diggs in the NFL with the Cowboys of being like a big play corner where he's going to the ball is the ball is coming his way. Yes. Yes. There's going to be some times where where like you look to the Oklahoma game. He was uh, he was getting torched a little bit in that game. But then you look to the, you know, some of the other games like Iowa State where he makes big interceptions. Now, I don't know. Maybe he's going to turn into more of a lockdown corner in addition to making the great plays. Like you look at the Texas Tech game and he was locked down in that game. So um, the personnel, I think, is good there. You've also this year added Demarius McGee, who's a transfer from LSU in that back end. You've had a couple other guys who have kind of stepped up for because there were some injuries to like Kenny Logan and Marvin Grant in spring ball. Jalen Dye, who's the, the son of former uh, MLB slugger Jermaine Dye, kind of stepped up mm. in the offseason. I, I like the secondary. I like the personnel there. I think it is about that front four. And it's not just that you graduated Lonnie Phelps. You graduated uh, several different players on the interior of that defensive line who were upperclassmen. But there is a part of me that wonders – how many of those players had kind of maxed out to what they were as upperclassmen players that they were good, solid players as depth, but maybe you have a higher ceiling with this defensive line. Um, you have some players who had been sitting, waiting in the woodworks that kind of we heard about broke out during bowl practices like Tommy Dunn and DJ Withers on the defensive line. Um, you've brought in a couple transfers from Minnesota with Austin Booker and Gage Keys, guys who have higher ceilings, but maybe you're looking for that floor to get there uh, to where I, I think the defensive line as a whole has a higher ceiling this year, but also has a lower floor. And that could be a little bit scary because, yeah, a lot of what that secondary he's going to be able to do is dependent now if you do trust that back end and this is something that i'm really monitoring uh at the beginning of the year and and from what we're going to hear from the coaches over the course of uh camp here in august is by having a more trustworthy upper class secondary are you going to be more comfortable drawing up blitzes because this has not been mm-hmm. a defense under brian borland that has blitzed very often over the first couple of years, but because you could have trouble getting to the quarterback because you do have an experienced back end because Craig young, who's been kind of your, your linebacker safety hybrid actually was second on the team in sacks last year, four and a half uh, on the season. 
are you going to draw up more blitzes and be a more complicated defense to overcome that? I, I'm, I'm with you on that. They should. I've always been uh, of the thought that like, especially if you trust the guys in the back end and look, here's the thing. Like you, we like those players, but we mentioned it too. Like they got cooked a little bit. Why the hell not? I mean, why the hell not get after the quarterback as best you can? Look, you're going to get cooked anyway. You know, if, if you give them, if, if you're not able to generate pressure, might as well make some more efforts to do so. You know, if, if guys pick you apart, they pick you apart in some games, you can adjust accordingly. But if, if something goes one one direction, man, I think they should definitely try to try generate some more pressure. Also, I think you do mention the bowl practice thing. Um, this That's important that Kansas keeps going to bowl games to get those moments to get, because I'll tell you what, man, we always hear about it. Young guys getting confidence in bowl practice. Young guys getting reps in bowl practice. Them having that is huge. They need more of that. And that's part of the developmental uh, stages of a program. Schedule. Um, I look at this schedule. I think there's a chance that they could play a Texas game on the road. Also, just imagine, I mean, imagine that game if if Kansas can be undefeated in, in Texas. You know, I think if I think Texas at that point will probably be three and one, right? I think it's fair to say, hey, that Bama game on the road is difficult. Um, but and, and, and obviously last time we know what happened when the Jayhawks went to uh, DKR. It went, it went very well for them. Um, I think there's a chance they're 4-0 going into that. Is it going to be easy? No. That, that Illinois is a very, very strong team. I know Brett Bielma takes a lot of crap, but he does have very strong foundations for his schools. Um, you kind of know the things they're going to do well. And so that's kind of the big game everybody's circling, right? It's a home game. It's obviously going to be against a Big Ten opponent who I think you know was ranked last year, and uh, that's kind of the, the first the first big test. But that September, whole lot of whole, whole lot of meat on that bone, right? You get the FCS opponent, but Illinois at Nevada, kind of a weird road trip right after a game like that. Win our loss, let down spot. Back home for a newcomer in BYU. I think the one thing BYU has is grown men on their team because of how old some of those guys are. Obviously, that's a concern. Then you have the road game at Texas. So kind of a balanced, uh, balanced breakfast, if you will, in that first month, a little bit of everything. I think if, if they can get through that first five games at three and two, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world. Now, ideally you'd like to be at least four and one there. Um, but I think three and two right. would set you up that you could still feel like, you know, you can get back to a bowl game, maybe even wins seven. Noy game to me is the one that, that kind of swings a lot of it. It's early in the season. Um, we heard a lot last year that the West Virginia and Houston games early in the year when Kansas won served as such big confidence boosts that, yeah, they can do this. And that led to success down the road. Maybe it's it's a little less needed confidence this year because you've proven that you can at least make it to a bowl game last year that uh, if you do lose early in the season, you know that like, hey, deep down, we're, we're better than that. And uh, the Illinois one, it's super interesting because they lose their entire secondary. A lot of really good players, NFL draft picks. Devin Witherspoon ends up being a top five pick. Um, but there's still like ESPN SP plus has them projected for a top 10 defense. No, they always are going to run the ball well because you have Brett Bielema, even though Chase Brown's gone. And going back to the KU defense, that was a big struggle for them, stopping the run. So that's kind of the switch came to me where that could be the biggest determining factor in how this season goes for KU, both in terms of the confidence and just grabbing another win. KU hasn't won multiple Big 12 road games since the Orange Bowl season in 2007. Now, maybe that changes with Lance Leipold because they've had a lot more success on the road under Lance Leipold than they've had over the last decade. But if you just view it like that and say, 
They're only going to win one Big 12 road game. Fortunately, they do have more home Big 12 games than road ones this year. Uh, so you'd be one and three on the road in the Big 12. If you can scoop up the Nevada win, the Missouri State win, and you beat Illinois, now you're four and three. And then that basically means over your five home Big 12 games, if you go three and two, two in them, that gets you to seven wins. Yeah. Yeah. It's their schedule's incredibly interesting. I think it's well balanced. You know, it's it's like any other. I mean, we don't know these school where these schools will be at at these points in the season. But like, you know, I Jack Trice is a really t- really tough place to win, even when Iowa State's bad. It still feels like it, it can be a tough place to go and win. Uh, they do get at Cincinnati last game of the year, which you know I think would be interesting for both those schools. Uh, I think it's probably be a, more important for KU at that point. But what's your uh, get you out of here on this projection for record uh, on your end? What what do you got this year? So I am going the optimistic side. I am going with seven wins uh, just because the way I'm viewing it is as tough as the schedule does look, there is a chance because we know in the Big 12, there's not much separation between a team who's maybe fifth and a team who's maybe 12th or something like that Mm -hmm. to where we're looking at it and the schedule looks really tough. But what happens if Oklahoma isn't that much better than last year? What if they're a seven-win team, right? Or what if some of these teams that we're being – thought of as, as top half teams end up being six or seven win teams what if some of these teams that we're thinking of being six or seven win teams are, are three four or five win? that it's it's hard for me to actually like I, I do think the schedule is tough but I do feel like there's going to be probably a team or two on the schedule that we're viewing right now as being a possible bowl team that ends up being a lower tier team that makes it a little bit easier and I'm just I'm just going to operate under this trust Lance Leipold Year three, a defensive scheme you hope gets a little bit better. And if they can get even a little bit better or maybe just have one of those magical turnover seasons, that should be enough. If you just put the blindfold on the team named Kansas and you say, well, there's four teams in the Big 12. There's four teams in the Big 12 that are returning head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and quarterback. Kansas State, who's being picked top three. Oklahoma, who's being picked top three. Who's being picked at the top. And Kansas, well, Kansas is the only one that's not being picked in the top half, right? And it's not just that, oh, well, okay, they return those, but do they return? No, they return 10 of their 11 starters and add a bunch of depth on the offense. They were a handful plus of starters on the defensive side of the ball and added some key transfers there. If you just put the blindfold on the name Kansas and say, we're returning this boatload of starters, we have the best quarterback possibly in the conference, we've got a good coach, why would you not expect to win more games than the previous season? And doesn't mean it's going to happen because as we know, sometimes the one score games don't go your way. Sometimes turnovers don't go your way, the schedule, but I'm just going to roll with that. And I'm going to say they improve from last year and get seven. And from a betting angle, I mean, I'm looking right now, we actually have any certain betting sponsor on here. So we can go different directions. I'm looking right now, uh, you know, over six and a half is what you're getting at FanDuel. But if you were to go over to MGM, get you five and a half at minus 150. I know there's a bit more juice there, but you feel if anybody feels pretty good about them going to a bowl game, willing to lay a little bit of juice, you can get five and a half. So you can get them just at six. The number there, uh, check that out. All right, Derek, where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? You can give me a follow on Twitter at D Johnson Radio. You can uh, check out, subscribe to the show with Locked on Jayhawks and, and also uh, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. on at KLWN in Lawrence with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Awesome, man. Derek Johnson, nobody covers the Jayhawks quite like him. Appreciate your time, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man.